But today, I want to kick off a brand new series for us. And uh, through the month of January, we're going to be looking at a series simply titled RE or RE. And uh, if you look at most words that start with RE, they're words that talk about a going back or a restarting or a refreshing or a re envisioning of something. And so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that lean into this. And today, I want to talk to you about the whole idea of renewing or being renewed. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the brain today and about the mind. Now, I'm not uh, qualified in any sense, okay? So I don't want to overreach my qualification here. I'm trained uh, in both IT, which uses computers to do all the thinking for you, and in uh, ministry and theology. So I'm in no way a qualified neurologist or neuroscientist or psychologist or just go talk to much smarter people than me like Barry Morris if you want to know about all those kind of things. But I know enough to say this, your brain, your mind is amazing. Your mind is amazing. The epicentre of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions, your opinions. Some days your brain is very logical. Some days it's highly illogical. Some days it's very rational. And some days your brain is the epicenter of irrationality. It's beautiful, it's complex, and it's intricate. But I don't need to tell you that. Let me tell you about somebody who's got a much better mind and brain than I am. And and listen to what he says about the brain. His name is Dr. Thomas Incel. He's an American neuroscientist and psychiatrist who for about 14 years was the head of the National Institute of Mental Health in the US. And this is what he has to say. This is a guy with a brilliant mind. This is what he says about your brain. He says, in the 1970s, we had a pretty good understanding of how the kidney serves as a filter, how the heart serves as a pump, and what the lungs do and how they do it. But today, in 2015, when he said this, I can tell you, or I can't tell you, sorry, nor can anyone else, how the brain functions as an information processing organ. How does it do it? What is meaning? How is it stored? Where does it exist? And what does it look like in the brain? We really don't have a sense of how the brain works. That's said from someone that's got a really incredible brain. We don't understand, even with all the study and the technology and our capacity to uh, look at things and map things, there's still so much about your brain that science or medicine does not understand. I want to suggest that even before neuroscience was a thing and psychology was a thing, that we of faith would say that God has a great grasp on the complexity of your brain. One of the psalmists writes this, and again, understand the psalms are expressions of poetry or song, but he writes this about his understanding of God and the way God interacts with him. He says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts... And even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And and it goes on, verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. The psalmist just expresses what we of faith would believe, and that is that God understands more about us than we even understand of ourselves. And even in in our fields of incredible minds, 
God has a greater understanding of how your brain functions than even the smartest people on planet Earth do. But maybe you don't buy into that yet. Maybe you're not a person of faith. Maybe you can't take that step to believe there is a God that would know you that well. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're a person of faith or whether you've studied neuroscience or you've studied psychology. There's one thing that all those fields, faith, psychology, science, would all agree on, and it's this. What you feed your mind matters. What you feed your mind matters. You see, science can tell you that if you feed your mind the wrong stuff, if you feed on too many of the wrong images, for instance, it can actually start to affect the chemical makeup of your brain. See, science can tell you that what you feed your mind matters. Psychology can tell you that what you feed your mind matters. You feed your mind too much of the negative stuff or too much self-doubt or self-deprecation or self-loathing, it will actually start to wire the way that you think. See, both science and psychology can tell you that what you feed your mind matters. Well, God in his word also wants to tell us that what we feed our mind matters. Billy Graham, the great American evangelist, who uh, I, I even know people in our church that came to faith through the Billy Graham crusade that was held here in Brisbane in 1956, something like that. Everyone's looking at me blankly. Way back there somewhere. He tells a story in a book he wrote, about an Eskimo fisherman and his two dogs. And the story, or the, the parable in a sense, goes like this. This is an Eskimo fisherman that would come into town every weekend. And he had two dogs, different colours, different shades. And he'd bring his dogs with him every weekend. And at, their, at his command, the dogs would start fighting. The Eskimo fisherman knew how to set them into a fight in the town. And, and local townspeople would come around and they would lay bets on which of the dogs would win the fight that day. And he did this every weekend. This Eskimo fisherman, he'd come in, he'd set his dogs fighting, he'd take wages on the fight and he'd walk away with what was left of the money. Someone cottoned on after a while that every week the Eskimo fisherman won the bet. And he said, how is it that you know with such certainty which dog of yours is going to win? Because one week it's that dog, the next week it's that. You have no control over them when they're battling, but how do you know which dog's going to win? And the Eskimo fisherman said, it's really simple. In the week leading up to the fight, I feed one of them and I let the other one starve. And he says, the one that you feed is always the one that's going to win because it's strong. You know, it's exactly the same with our mind. What we feed it really matters. And so I want to ask the question today, what are you feeding and filling your mind with? Romans 12, chapter 2, 12-2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, there's that word, the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Paul says in this really well-known, often well-known passage of Romans, that what we feed our mind with has a massive impact on the way that we live our life. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So the question I want to ask this morning is, how do we renew our minds? And I want to give you a simple illustration that I think fits really neatly with New Year's, uh, because every year we get to New Year's and a whole bunch of us set some resolutions. And if you Google top New Year's resolutions, every year the list looks very similar. Usually there's something in there about stopping something or quitting something, whether it be smoking or alcohol, it's usually high on the list of resolutions for people. 
Often there's a, a resolution around saving. In other words, we're not going to spend as much this year. We're going to save a whole lot more. It's usually high on the list of resolutions. But every year you can guarantee in the number one or number two spot of most set New Year's resolutions is diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. I'm going to eat healthier and I'm going to get fit. And we all know that the equation for diet and exercise is pretty simple. The application isn't simple, but the information, we, we understand what it takes to eat well and get fit. And the equation goes like this. Stop eating certain foods and start eating other ones. And regularly exercise. You can take that as free advice from me this morning. If you want to know how to eat healthy, uh, to lose weight and get fit, stop eating certain foods, start eating other ones, and regularly exercise. I want to suggest it's the same principle that the Bible teaches when it comes to renewing our minds. Stop eating certain foods and regularly exercise. So if you want to renew your mind, the first thing I want to say to you is this. You have to replace junk food for healthy food. Have to replace junk food for healthy food. Proverbs 15, 14, just a short little statement of wisdom. I'm going to read this from the NLT translation. It says this, A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. And the question is, are you feeding on trash? Let's just do a simple uh, association exercise just to get you into this. Cocoa Pops were always the cereal that I got growing up in holidays about once a year. Anyone else have that little thing in their family? Holidays, school's finished for the year, the Cocoa Pops packet comes out. There's a few hands, a few parents saying, put that hand down. I don't want you to embarrass me. Cocoa Pops were the cereal that came out in holidays. All brand is the cereal that comes out on New Year's Day. Healthy, healthy. Cocoa Pops out with the trash, in with the good. This is the original regular flavour and you know it's going to do exactly what it promises. It's going to keep you regular. Coke, the drink of Christmas. Water, the drink of New Year. We know that this is better than this. Who loves the taste of this better than the taste of this? Who loves the price of this? Actually, not when you buy it in this form, but... Water is more expensive. Now, I always thought apple pies, like, they are from the earth. Like, the crust around them is, you know, from wheat ground in the field, with butter churned from the cow, with apples picked from the tree, and sugar ground from the sugarcane fields of Norwell. But apparently, an apple pie isn't as good for you as an apple. Go figure that. That's, anyone want an apple? Uh, it's actually, it's been sitting in my car for a while. I can't guarantee the goodness of that apple. Mint chocolate, anyone's favourite. I'll give it to you, but it's really badly melted and I need it for 6pm service tonight. <laughs> Mint chocolate is the present of Christmas. Mint is the gift of New Year, just to put in your drink to make it feel a little bit fancier than water looks like by itself. I, I, I mean, this is a simple illustration, but we all get it, don't we? You have to replace the junk food for the good food. That which is trash and that which is wholesome if you want to get your body right. It's the same with our mind. What we fill our mind with shapes who we are. If you want to fill your mind with trash, suddenly trash becomes normal for you. 
If you want to fill your mind with cultural values of romance or sex or greed or what it looks like to be happy and whole, those things suddenly become the dialogue or the pattern of this world that we conform to. And when you fill your brain with certain, or when you fill your brain with things regularly, they become normal to us. If you go to Netflix to give you a picture of what romance looks like, and you watch what a highly produced Hollywood version of romantic love looks like, your real life version of romantic love will never live up to it because your husband ain't no Mr. Darcy. Is that a good illustration? I've never seen that show. Is he a romantic guy? Yeah. You get my point. If you spend your whole time feasting on the cultural image of what romance looks like or what beauty looks like, if you spend your whole day flicking through catalogues, looking at what society presents to you as normal, as good and as happy, that will become the norm for you. Those images, those dialogues will distort your reality. What you fill your brain with becomes normal. More than that, what you fill your brain with creates patterns that you live by. Romans says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. You know, the world has patterns. It has stories. It has narratives that can shape us if we let them be the dominant voice, if we feast on them. But if you want to renew your mind, you've got to replace junk food with wholesome food. And God speaks to this very, very clearly in his word. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 10 says this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In other words, focus your attention and your energies on Christ. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Just sit on that verse for a minute. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And Paul goes on, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all things such as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Paul says in Philippians, he puts it a different way. He says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Other translations say, dwell on such things. God knows that what you feed your mind will become a bit of a rudder for your life. And he says, if you want to fill your life with what is good and wholesome, sit in good and wholesome places. If you fill your life with rubbish, if you fill your life with the wrong kind of images and the wrong kind of stories and the wrong kind of TV shows and the wrong kind of language and the wrong kind of models around life and community and family and love and romance and sex and greed and happiness, if you keep going to the same places to feed on that, that will become the norm for your life and suddenly no one else will be able to live up to your expectation. But if you sit and dwell on the things of God, things will change 
not just in your mind, but in your heart and in your life. Dwell on that which is good. You know, healthy bodies require healthy food. Healthy minds require healthy food. But healthy bodies don't just require healthy food, they require exercise. And it's the same with our minds, it's the same with our faith. I've said this numerous times here, my favorite, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, because there's no challenge about the interpretation of it, comes from James chapter 1. And he writes simply this. He just says, Do not listen, or do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here's an encouragement for you in your faith this year, straight from the word. Don't just listen. Don't let faith become a journey of information. If it's just information, it'll never lead to transformation. But if it's information that gets put into practice regularly, if you exercise, then transformation occurs. You see, having a healthy, renewed mind isn't just about replacing junk food with whole food. It's about regularly exercising and putting into practice that which you dwell on. If all you do is dwell on diet plans... Or if all you do is dwell on how to play golf, but you never pick up the golf club and swing it at the ball, you'll never learn how to play the game. It's the same with our faith. If all faith for us is information, it will never lead to transformation. Information put into practice is the thing that leads to transformation. And James just sums it up. Don't just deceive yourselves by listening to the word. Do what it says. Simple. It's all about exercise. So there's two invitations for us. Firstly, read God's word and let its values and its attitudes and its thoughts and its ways become yours. You see, as we start to think the way that God thinks, as we start to see the way that God sees, we become the people that God originally made us to be. See, God renews our mind through his word and he transforms our life into his image. But it doesn't just come through information, it comes through exercise as well. Put it into practice. Don't just have a quote on your door, love your neighbour, go and actually love your neighbour. Don't espouse the virtue of forgiveness, put forgiveness into practice. Don't just talk about generosity, put your hand in your pocket and be generous. Use your words to uplift and bring life, honour God with your bodies, feed the poor. Use your gifts that God has given you to bless others. Don't just talk about them or study them or do another course on what are my gifts, actually start using them. Because renewing our mind comes through eating the right food and doing the right exercise. It's about replacing junk for whole food and it's about regularly putting into practice the things that we're learning. And through that, God brings transformation into our life. As God transforms us, we become part of his transformative plan on this earth. You see, there's a purpose in this. The purpose isn't just for you to be a better person, feel better about yourself. God's mission for us together is actually to be part of transforming our community and our planet. To be his agents, to be his people in bringing the values of the kingdom of God, of love, grace, forgiveness, to bear on earth as they are in heaven. God has put that on you and on me together to be his agents as we renew our minds, as God transforms us, we're equipped to do all that he calls us to do. 
I can give you a very practical landing point today of some things that you can do, and you might disagree with some of these, but some things you can do, and maybe some things that we as a church can help you do, that are going to regularly help you feast on the right food and exercise that which you're learning. I encourage you to do four things this year. Commit to being in one service a week. If Sunday morning, 10 o'clock at Ormo, Gateway Ormo doesn't work, there's couple of different service times up the road at Mackenzie. There's different churches that operate in different spaces, but something about regularly being with other people in community and learning together and rubbing shoulders with people that helps us not only feast on the right stuff, but put it into practice. See, God gifted you not so you could live an individual life, but so you could contribute to the community. And you've got to be in community to be able to contribute to the community. So get in community. Be in one service. I encourage you to join one life group. We're going to talk about life groups in the weeks to come. They're all on hiatus at the moment over the summer break, but life group is a place where you can be part of a smaller community where you can love, care for, you can pray together, you can learn more in an intimate environment of who God is and what he wants for your life. We encourage you to find one place to serve. If it's not within the confines or the context of this church, find a great place outside of here where you can volunteer your time and your gifts to bless other people. And finally, find one patch of time every day to dwell on that which is good and wholesome, to dwell on the things of God. If you're a regular disciplined person and you need to sit down with a coffee in the morning, open your Bible, you go for that. You know, it's never been the go-to for me. It's never been the same. I work in different rhythms for that. But there's something about being consciously mindful about finding space regularly to come back to that place of going, God, you're in control. I just want to hand this day, hand my life to you and hear what it is that you have to say and I want to align my life to that. Hey, we have a Bible reading plan every year that we encourage people that are looking for some kind of structure to go to. You can find it on our website, gatewaybaptist.com.au forward slash reading plan, I think it is, but you can search it. There you go, reading dash plan. And there's hundreds of these things online. You don't need ours to, there's nothing special about ours, but this is just a really good one that gives you a daily reading to help you move through the Word of God with some resources online to help you understand what you're reading. Because the Bible isn't always the easiest book to read and understand, and so sometimes we need others. Hence, community, life groups, all those things that help us understand and interpret and apply what it is that God has to say. So get involved and do what you need to do to spend time dwelling on the things of God. As you replace junk food for whole food, as you regularly exercise and put into practice, it won't just be information that pours into your life, it'll be transformation. And as you are transformed, God's got work for you to do in help being a transformative agent in the lives of others. I'm going to get the band to come up and join me because I want to land. So as I, as I prepared this, I, I, I finished there. I hit full stop. I thought, yep, sermon done. And I walked away and there was this one thing that was bothering me a little bit. And it was this. I don't want this to feel like it's a burden that's being placed on you. We talk all the time about grace, about our relationship with God being a, a, an act of grace. And the reality is, as I talk about replacing whole food with junk food, I know in that realm the information, but I know sometimes the application's a lot harder because Cocoa Pops taste really, really good. It's the same for us in our faith. I don't want you at all this morning to feel like this is another burden being cast back upon you. Where is the grace in this message? 
What I do want to encourage, though, is this. When Paul says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, there is an invitation in that for you to do something. God's not just going to magically change things from above and just kind of click his fingers and make everything change. There's actually something for you to do. It's an exhortation. It's not just a, hey, sit back and watch what God does. It's actually, no, no, no. You get into the business of renewing your mind. There's some things that you can do. And I've talked about that today. The things that you choose to dwell on, the things that you choose to watch, the things that you choose to read, the things that you choose to talk about, they can all have a massive impact on the renewing of our mind. But the thing I just really felt that God wanted us to pray for each other this morning was this. Some of us come to the start of a new year and we go, it's time to actually put some good things into place. And we get all kind of geared up for it. We go, we buy the exercise gear and we do whatever we need to do. We download the app, we read all the articles and we start building some new habits and some new patterns into our life. And then something kicks in and we revert back to the patterns and the habits that we've always lived. Paul says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's some patterns that our world lives by and there's some patterns that you live by. There's some patterns that you've established in your life. And maybe the pattern is this, that when life gets tough, you withdraw. Maybe that's your pattern. Maybe you've decided at the start of a new year, this year, no, I'm really gonna, I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna be part of a community. I'm gonna jump into a life group. And then something happens and you jump back into your old pattern or your old habit. And it's the one that says, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to get plugged in. I'm actually going to stay at a distance because that's the comfortable place for you. It's like the recovering junk food addict. All motivated until something happens, till they get tired or the stress comes on at work and it's like we jump back into the old patterns. It can be the same in our faith, in our life. Maybe that's your pattern. Maybe your pattern is, you're going to really plug in and you're going to invest yourself in people, but then someone does something to hurt you. Let me just give you a little lesson that's just a reality. If you hang out with people, if you get plugged into this community or any community, there will be a point where someone annoys you, upsets you, or maybe just downright hurts you because we're all people. And if we have enough self-awareness, we know that we all have the capacity to be hurt. But beyond that, we all know that we have the capacity to hurt others. I guarantee that every person sitting in this room at some stage in your life has spoken a word or acted in a way that's hurt somebody else. The problem is some of us only let ourselves get in relationship with people to the point where we can protect ourselves. And maybe your pattern is I'm not going to get any further because the minute someone does something that affects me or offends me, I'm going to go back to what I always know, which is avoidance and not plugging in and not being with people. God invites you this year to establish a brand new pattern, not to go back into your old patterns. Maybe you got all motivated at the start of the year to really sit and dwell in the Word of God this year. But as soon as the stress comes on, as soon as it gets difficult, as soon as God doesn't answer a prayer that you expect God to answer, you back, go back to your familiar comforts, your familiar patterns and habits. See, I reckon all of us here can identify our go-to patterns. And whether it's stress or whether it's relational angst, whether it's tragedy or crisis, whether it's just when the finances get difficult or it's whether it's when God doesn't answer our prayer or it's 
whether someone that we expect in our church or our school community doesn't act in a way that they, or whatever it is, we all know the triggers for us, but we all know the patterns that we revert into. And God, by His grace, wants to help you reset some of the patterns in your life this year to some brand new patterns that come from the renewing of your mind, from the information of heaven turning into the application and the transformation of who you are. Hey, I'm not going to ask you to share with anyone. I'm not going to ask you to do anything spectacular today. But if you're sitting here right now and you just know that this is your year for God to start setting some new patterns in your life, maybe the word you use is some new habits in your life. I'd love just to pray a prayer over you this morning. Pray a prayer of blessing over you. Pray a prayer of courage over you. Pray that God would keep just prodding and poking because we all know to establish new patterns takes time and it can be hard work. But when we do, we're better people for it. Hey, in just a moment, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to do something really brave. As everyone else sits and prays, I'm just going to ask you to stand so we can pray for you. And Lord, I just want to thank you that you give us all the tools that we need to do life well. More than that, God, you give us all the tools we need to walk through the tragedies of life and the hard times of life and the disappointments of life. We know in all of those circumstances, your presence is always with us. God, we know that your word is life. As we sit and we dwell on the things of heaven, God, you transform us to be more the people that we were created to be. God, I recognize in this space, I recognize for myself, there's some patterns, there's some habits that are my comfortable place. And God, you want to speak into that this year. You want to give us some new tools to actually break free of the things that have restricted us and held us back so we can walk in freedom into brand new transformed lives that come as you renew our minds, as you keep our hearts and our eyes lifted and focused on you. Hey, if you'd love for me to pray for you this morning, invite you right now, why don't you just stand across this place? I'd love just to pray a prayer of courage over you as you just feel the prompting of God's Spirit saying, it's time to reset some of the old patterns in your life in 2018. Will you join these guys? Okay, if you're seated and you're a person of faith, I've got a job for you. Just cast your eye on someone standing this morning and just start praying for them right now. Maybe you're standing with them. Why don't we get a few people just to gather around these guys? Don't say anything. Don't ask them any questions. Just be with them. Remind them that they're part of a community that's for them, that's going to cheer them on. Just make sure no one's standing alone today. Awesome. God, I want to thank you for each person in this place today that prompted by your spirit has stood. God, thank you for their courage in this moment. But God, I want to pray that you continue to fill them with your Holy Spirit and give them courage in every moment moving forward. God, as they identify some of the patterns that have become the norm in their life, that are unhealthy and unwholesome, that God, keep them back. I want to pray that as they identify them, God, that you would start to fill them with some brand new patterns the patterns of heaven. 
God, for those whose patterns means they withdraw from people, I want to pray that you would surround them with such an irresistible community of others that lead them on, encourage them, support them, that they'll never go back. God, for those that are living some patterns that are just addictive patterns that they don't feel they can break free of, I want to pray, God, that you would put some encouragers around them. More than that, God, that you would give them the resolve to make brand new choices every day, to set their things and their heart, to dwell on the things of heaven, to fill their minds with things that are healthy and wholesome. And God, that you would start to change that which has been embedded for so long. God, for those that keep running away from relationship when it gets hard, I want to pray that you give them a new resolve. A resolve that's filled with forgiveness and grace and love and acceptance and value. Father, whatever it is, the old patterns that need to be put aside, I want to pray by your Holy Spirit that you would give each of these people the strength that they need to build some new patterns and some new habits this year. Thank you, God, that you give us every resource that we need to fill our minds with the things of heaven. And then to apply them so we see transformation not only in our own lives, but in the communities where you've placed us. We thank you this morning, God, for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the way you minister to us so compassionately. We pray your will be done in each of these lives, in every one of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, let's all stand. We're going to finish just with a song that's a declaration that we all need to sing. Lord, I need you. God, we just need you.